Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Now with the MLB app, you can get baseball your way. Pick your favorite team, your favorite players, and get customized highlights, stories, and breaking news right on your home feed. Follow the action with Game Tip, where 3D replays add another dimension. Plus, notifications can keep you connected to every pitch, every hit, every game. The MLB app. Baseball, your way. Download it now for free from the App Store or Google Play. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trade parts used with permission. Fun over here, 913-586-7798. All right, so it's not good. News out of the Army. Is this just the Army that's complaining about this? So far. Mold in the Army barracks is becoming increasingly common (laughs) at bases around the country. Yeah. (laughs) The issue isn't about mold. Our soldiers just aren't clean. Yeah, it's it's the reaction from one general, one major general, and it just happened to be General Eisenhower. Not that one though. Uh, he spells it a little bit differently. He's just I S E N. But Major Major General James P. Eisenhower the Third was asked about this about the mold problem in Army barracks. And so that's that's where it's mostly limited is to the barracks themselves. And what he said didn't make him a lot of friends down the ranks because he said, well, if there's a mold problem in the Army, it's not a mold problem. It's a discipline problem. Go figure. (laughs) That a general in the Army would blame everything on on lack of discipline. Um, And then the funny part came when somebody mentioned to him, "Uh, gee, General, uh, wasn't your base one of the ones that had a mold problem? <laughs> and then he said, "Oh yeah, well, 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 that was different. See, uh, that was that was localized because we had one pipe that was leaking, see, and it got moldy, and so yeah, we we, we took care of that. That's no problem anymore. Um, but yeah, when it came to his own barracks, he he wants to to you know to take shots at everybody else. And what some of the uh, the response to this, especially across the South, has been is well, you've got to understand." Not everybody lives in the Northeast. Some people live down here where it's hot and humid all the time. You think you can control the mold problem? Have at it, buddy. I feel like the only way to control it is to be cleaning it absolutely every day. Yep. So that it can't build up. And I'm sure what he would say to that is, fine, then have those soldiers clean it every day. Right. Uh, And, and, I mean, you still, there are going to be areas where, um, you know, in any building that aren't going to be readily accessible. Uh, they, in fact, they had a massive problem. Hate to keep picking on St. Louis, but I'm going to anyway. Mm. At the airport, at Lambert Airport, about oh five or ten years ago, they had a major problem with black mold. So, uh, and it took months and months and months to mitigate the problem because it started in an area above ceiling tiles where nobody ever went. And why would you? Right. You wouldn't. Yeah. So now the Quonset hut barracks and things like that, those are a little different. They don't tend to have drop ceilings, mm-hmm. <laughs> but uh, I mean, for him to just blame it all on a lack of army discipline, I think is, is more than a little short sighted, especially uh, like I said, if, if he's based at, at uh, you know, at a base that's up in the North 
and doesn't tend to go to places like Biloxi. Eisenhower currently is the commanding general of the 1st Armored Division based at Fort Bliss, Texas, and part of New Mexico. So, yeah, he's in a desert. Yeah. Um, and he said, yeah, where they don't have as much of the humidity. But get to Louisiana and <laughs> yeah. or Florida, and you have a bigger problem there. Sure. Yeah. I mean, yeah, Biloxi, Mississippi is, uh, I forget what the name of the base is, but uh, that's where you know, a lot of guys do basic training. Uh, and and I think that's now a joint base. It used to just be an army base, but it's now a joint base with several different services there. And that's what they're saying is, I mean, you think about the problem that they're having right now. What it, I don't remember the name of the town in Kentucky that's having the problem with the mold that eats whiskey fumes. Oh, yes. You know what I'm talking about? Yes. You have a problem like that. It's not a matter of discipline. It's a matter of you've got an environmental factor around you that that needs some kind of special mitigation. It's not just a matter of keeping the barracks clean. So that's what I was wondering. That's where my head went next was um, if they don't get this figured out, then is the next problem going to be we're going to hear reports of soldiers with lung problems and breathing troubles drawn back to this mold problem and then having to sort out whose job was it and whose fault was it that it got that bad. Yeah, exactly. And, and black mold can do that. I mean, black mold, if if left untreated, I mean, you can have some really serious health complications. And the last thing the Army ever wants is some kind of spread of disease inside the ranks. But this is why he's taking criticism for this. I mean, listen to how reductionist this is. Uh, he said when when they brought up the the mold problem to him, he said, well, because just the lack of humidity, we're not under the same conditions. We've had some mold problems, but that's from some leaky pipes we didn't discover until it was too late. And there's a quick way to fix it. It's acute. But at the end of the day, we still had young men and women who called the hotline and said, I've got black mold in my shower and it's on the ground. Well, that's because they haven't cleaned it. Okay, but it's not always going to be in the shower on the ground. Right. That's It's just such a, a short-sighted and, and, like I said, reductionist way of looking at the problem of saying, well, if the ground's moldy, it's your fault. Right. Uh, but that's not the that's not the entirety of what's going on here. If it's a discipline problem, isn't the Army supposed to be pretty good at discipline? Uh, yeah. Isn't that why you go into the Army in part is to learn structure? And discipline. <laughs> so I tell him, if it's a discipline problem, you're in charge of a lot of the army. Fix yeah. it. Uh, and yeah, somebody on the text line just said, yeah, cue the, did you get mold sickness commercials? Because remember Camp Lejeune and the oh, water yeah. problem and the endless series of lawyer commercials that were saying, if you need to sue Camp Lejeune, call me. I'll do it for you. Yeah. I mean, that's what's going to happen here is that uh, instead of treating it like what it is, in, in, an insidious invader and saying, <laughs> well, it's a discipline problem. It's a soldier's fault that they're not keeping the barracks clean enough. This is what they're headed toward is another disaster like that. This can't be new. No. I mean, we've had these environments that pretty much been the same for a long time. This can't be a new problem. No. And as somebody said, it gets into the vents. This can't be new. Yes. And right. Yeah, what are we going to have the, the soldiers going and cleaning out the air ducts in all of the barracks? Right. Uh, yeah, not, not really in their purview, nor would they have the equipment to be able to get it done. He's, he's just spouting off, and it, it doesn't seem like he's taking seriously the extent of the problem. Well, that's definitely who you want as your boss. Right. In the army is somebody that doesn't understand the extent of the problem um is this a money thing they don't want to spend the money maybe yeah, to clean some it, of this up i'm sure it could be mm -hmm. blame it on the soldiers 
and them not being clean, and then you don't have to pay somebody to go into the vents and uh, clean it out. Yeah, I'm also a little bit curious about his record as a general. I mean, does he? Do, I'm not saying that the guy shouldn't be a general, but I'm mm -hmm. I'm saying, does he have a record of being a, a real harsh disciplinarian? Is is that his answer for everything? You know, more discipline. That's right. Well, you know, we've got a, a sexual assault problem in the army barracks. Right. Well, discipline. Right. <laughs> you know, okay. Yeah. That, that's a great catch all, but it doesn't really solve everything. If you have thoughts here, 913 586 Still to come, Grady Judd is back. It's a fascinating case, too, that he's talking about. Uh, we'll get to that coming up here on KMBZ. Here's your adult content warning. If you have tiny person ears with an earshot of the radio, shuffle them out for a little bit as we go to Polk County, Florida. Yeah, home of Grady Judd once again. In this case, uh, I lived there when, when this happened. Uh, you know, I was living in, in Central Florida at the time. This would have been my uh, junior year of high school, 1986. And there was a murder that took place in Polk County that has gone unsolved until now. And the, the twists and turns in this story and the lengths that they had to go to to try to find out who was the murderer of this young nurse? Um, and I mean, it, it just terrified the area. She was living alone with her eight-year-old son, and he was thankfully out of the house at the time, you know, staying with a relative. But somebody broke into her house in the middle of the afternoon, broad daylight, and murdered her during an assault, uh, during a sexual assault. Um, and, and I mean, just brutally murdered her. Uh, she had defensive wounds all over her, so she lived through a good portion of the attack, but she eventually succumbed to her injuries and died. And there was never, beyond some blood left at the scene, there was never any other evidence that they were able to compile. They did canvases of the neighborhood. They even at one point talked to the guy who has now been implicated in this murder, but they said at the time, he didn't give off any weird vibes to them. There was no signal that he could have been the guy. But they finally found out after all these years. 1986 is how many years ago? Uh, almost 40, 37 mm -hmm. years ago. Wow. Okay, so we're going to play you what is about three minutes of Grady Judd. He does a better job, a more colorful job of laying this out than we could. Uh, so here's Grady Judd. We are pleased to announce there's an old saying that it's better late than never. Well, this is late, but it's better late than never. Let me introduce you to Teresa Scalf. 37 years ago on October 27th of this year, she was murdered. She was viciously murdered. She was only 29 years old. And she was viciously murdered by an unknown suspect. She had defensive wounds where she fought this suspect off, but he aggressively stabbed her and cut her. Now, I'm given graphic details only because mom said I could, because you don't mess with mom, and I would never say this without her saying. He cut her head almost off. It was violent and it was horrible. There was a full investigation at the time to try to find who did this. Mom discovered her daughter and called us, and you'll hear more about that in a minute. Detectives worked on the case at the time. I remember the case vividly. We worked and we worked and we worked. Teresa at the time was a registered nurse 
at then Lakeland General Hospital, which is now Lakeland Regional Health. We never gave up on this case. We investigated it through the years, and I want to, you to clearly understand when this occurred in 1986, there was no DNA. There was no DNA genealogy. We knew that we had Teresa's blood, and we had another unknown source of blood, but there was no way to match that. Then in the 2000s, CODIS came along. So we took our suspect's blood that we'd run a DNA on and put it in the CODIS database, certain that we would get a hit for someone who would viciously murder this beautiful young lady. Nothing at all. And the investigation went on. We suspected a lot of people. We talked to a lot of people. There were literally thousands of hours of investigative work that went into this case. But as technology improved, one of our detectives, Matt Newbolt, who is not only assigned to homicide, but cold case homicide, had Teresa Scouse photograph on his desk from early 2015. He said, I'm going to figure out who murdered Teresa. And that's exactly what he did. This is who murdered Teresa, Donald Douglas. He was 33 at the time of the murder. He's dead. He died of natural causes when he was 54 years old. Okay. Hopefully everybody followed um, everything that happened there. It's just technology has gotten better. Yeah. They, I mean, in 1986, when she was killed, as he mentioned, there was no such thing as DNA testing. So uh, when they when they did the initial search, I mean, it, it just it shows, I guess, the determination of the cold case crews. Right. Because, mm -hmm. you know, DNA becomes a thing and they say, OK, well, we've got this blood sample. Let's see if we put it in there, put it into CODIS and see if anything pops. And nothing did. They could have left it at that and said, OK, well, that's it. We're done. But no. I mean, they trace this genealogy back, and as more people, and even though they didn't mention it, I'm going to assume here that a lot of that genealogical DNA research came through what we've talked about before, that it came through uh, 23andMe or mm -hmm. something else like that. And they said, okay, we've got a familial match here. Let's try to trace this back. And not only do they find where the DNA led, but they also found out about this affair that happened in 1949 and went, oh, okay, this is somebody who is direct line descendant of somebody that was involved in that. So unless I missed this where he said this, I know that the reason they never had his DNA is because this guy was never arrested. The yes. reason it must have gotten a match is because at some point he did one of those services. Yes, so they get this familial match. If not him, somebody close. So mm -hmm. they, they get a familial match, and they say, okay, now we've got a family tree. And they find out that by that family tree, a guy who was in that family tree lived right behind her. So then they go to his son, who is still living, and say, hey, listen, can we get a DNA sample from you? And the son says, sure, no problem. Yeah. And it's a it's a direct familial match. So they were like, yep, we got him. Now, the sad part, as you heard him say, is that this guy died years ago. He died at yeah. age 54. So he will never be brought to justice for what he did. But the, the quote from her mother, from the victim's mother, 
when she said, I'm 86 years old. I lived so that I could see this day. I lived as long as I did so that I could see that they finally were able to answer the question of who it was that killed my daughter. Um, yes, this must be the mom that said this. Um, I've been a nurse for 38 years now. My brother is a trauma nurse. My sister works in mental health. My mother worked at the hospital for 25 years. All due to her. It was all due to her. Just, um, just oh, it incredible. was the sister. Sorry, it was it was her sister, not the mom that said that. Yeah. So I mean, I, th this is the kind of thing that I love about the fact that that those people are so dedicated to their jobs that they're going to keep going on something like this until they get an answer. Yeah, and some of you were texting in that you remember the case. I was too young to remember the case, but um, some of you were texting in that you either lived down there at the time or you just remember, somebody said you were a junior in high school yeah, when that they, happened. They, yeah, they're exactly the same age. And uh, yeah, they went to high school. We were going back and forth a little bit. They went to high school just a little ways away from me. Uh, and it was, it was one of those cases. There were there were a few of them from that era that, that just, I mean, every local area has that case that everybody's fascinated by. And that mm -hmm. one, boy, it was in the news just seemingly forever. And it's funny because um, those cold case units I mean, they have stacks of files on their desks of all the one, all the cases they still have in front of them, yep. hoping with technology or somebody submitting, you know, five years ago, maybe you had the technology, but they hadn't submitted their DNA yet in any of those tests. But since then they had. Yeah. And, and now you get a hit. I, I mean, it, it was so uh, it was such an eye opener that they had to take one of the the people who had been buried in the tomb of the unknown soldier out because they found out who he was. Say that to me again. The the Tomb of the Unknown Soldier at Arlington. There uh -huh. are there are, at least there were, and I think there still are again. Uh, three soldiers buried there from uh, oh, oh boy, I don't want to screw this up. I, World War One, World War Two, and Vietnam, I think. Okay. But they through DNA they found out who the one from Vietnam was, so he's no longer an unknown soldier. Oh wow! Okay. That was wow. Yeah, that was a few years back. Uh, but it was it, it was just one of those things that you think what there may never be anyone else added to the tomb of the unknown soldier because everybody's so readily identifiable through DNA. If we are, if we have something to match it to, yeah. As long you as long as you have again either because they got in trouble or they submitted their their DNA somewhere. You have to have the thing to match it to. Gosh, that's fascinating when you come to military conflicts and the people that we haven't identified and how, or frankly, there are still a lot of 9-11 victims that we don't have identities for. And you're right. In, that, uh, in fact, they just, within the last two weeks, uh, identified another set of remains wow. from the Twin Towers. Um, yeah, Air Force, here it is. Air Force Lieutenant Michael Blassie was the Vietnam unknown buried at, Ar at Arlington Cemetery. Uh, they for years had used the secrecy of the selection process uh, to hide his identity from his family and the public. Well, that's interesting. I didn't know that part of the story. But uh, what I don't know is, was he replaced? Was he replaced with the remains? Because he certainly wasn't the only unknown soldier from Vietnam. Again, we're talking about an era where if your dog tags were blown off, they didn't know who you were. And so you are buried somewhere else at Arlington, probably. Presumably, yeah. And so you dig that up and you put that there.
Yeah. Huh. Uh, he was, by the way, reinterred at Jefferson Barracks National Cemetery in St. Louis. Wow. It is fascinating. Um, all right. If you have thoughts here, 913 586 We'll take a break. We'll be back in a couple minutes on KMBZ. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Now with the MLB app, you can get baseball your way. Pick your favorite team, your favorite players, and get customized highlights, stories, and breaking news right on your home feed. Follow the action with Game Tip, where 3D replays add another dimension. Plus, notifications can keep you connected to every pitch, every hit, every game. The MLB app. Baseball, your way. Download it now for free from the App Store or Google Play. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trade parts used with permission. All right, as long as we're keeping with our adult content warning here, we may as well stick with this uh, about the Tyson plant workers and what they found in a shipment of corn. This is an episode of CSI mm-hmm. waiting to happen. What a weird one. Um, and and yeah, we'll get to some of the, the details on this. What happened was there was a, a corn shipment headed to the Tyson plant. And it was coming by way of train. It was in a hopper car. Hopper car is the one that you see that uh, sometimes they have an open top. More often, it's a closed top that's got three doors across the top of it. And then down in the middle of the hopper car, there's a chute. So you park it over something, and you open the chute, and you let whatever is in there out, which is what they were doing when the corn was coming out. And then they saw the human arm. Badly decomposed body Mm -hmm. that was found aboard that train. Inside this shipment of corn. Yeah. Now, um, it's not unusual. There there are a lot of ways that you can die in a corn silo. (laughs) Um, And I'm I'm sure our farmers who are listening in are going, yep, there sure are. I I mean, uh, explosions happen. This obviously is not what happened here. But, uh, yeah, you can be buried very, very easily. You can be overcome by the the corn dust that's inside that that is actually why they tend Uh to explode. Uh, There's all kinds of things that can happen to you. What gets to me about this is that nobody knew. Um, And it was Badly decomposed, which meant this had been a while, yep. either in um, the grain silo or the the train. I mean, either, they don't know. We don't know exactly what happened here. Yeah. But it takes a bit for that to happen. The, so uh, did nobody know this guy was missing? Yeah. The, and that's, I mean, the guess would be, right, that uh, that it probably happened in the silo because the corn's going to spend a lot more time in the silo generally than it would in the rail car. But, yeah, that means that they not only did they didn't notice when they were loading the corn from the silo into the train car that nobody saw anything. If that's the way that it happened, if it wasn't somebody that just fell in and that car has been sitting there for a while with that shipment of corn in it. But, uh, yeah, they said the rail company said the train dropped off a shipment of beans in Mexico in the days before it was sent to Missouri. Uh, Then it was loaded with corn 
and then directly to the Tyson facility in Arkansas. So, yeah, when it was loaded with corn, that body must have already been in the corn. Yeah, because they said it was stuck. Yeah. It, it was it was stuck in there. When it got um, deep, right, right, when they opened the, the chute at the bottom of the hopper. Yeah, and so they had to remove... Uh, yeah, the human body was wedged in the bottom of the empty car. Red River Wrecker Service was called out to assist. They gained access through the top of the car by lowering a cable through the car and moving a piece of metal out of the way. Yeah, so this would have been one of the covered hopper cars. So I'm on... Oh, this connected me to a weird... I thought I was going to get to the Facebook page of where they were looking at the scene, but that didn't that didn't do it for me. Um... Okay. Suspicions? I, uh, what you have to hope is that this was an accidental death. Now, I mean, could it be something else? Could it be murder? Well, sure. I mean, anything can happen. It would be, uh, I mean, it wouldn't be the worst place in the world to hide a body if that's what you were trying to do. But it's, I think, more likely that when they were loading the silo, I mean, we had a case not all that long ago, somewhere near here, um, so, you know, somewhere outstate Missouri, but not that far from the Kansas City area, where somebody was killed because they they got stuck in a silo and a load of corn came down on them and they suffocated because uh, you can't breathe. I mean, there's there's no way uh, that that you're going to be able to to get any kind of air in there at all. So that happens, and that's probably what ended up happening here. If I had a guess, not just because they said uh, that, you know, this this same train was used to haul a shipment of beans out of Mexico. But my guess would be that I mean, because that technically, I guess, could have been the origin of that body as well. But it's much more likely that it was a migrant worker, that it was a farm worker and nobody missed him. Uh, There was no ID on the body. So that would fit. Yep. With it being a migrant worker Um, and that nobody that's what's getting me. Nobody noticed. Nobody, as far as we know, I mean, they're still checking to see if there were missing persons reports. I mean, that would be super easy to find. Yes. It is possible he was reported missing, but they looked and he's he's still reported missing. And yeah, so yeah, the coroner with the Arkansas State Crime Lab is now conducting an autopsy to try to determine a cause of death. But I mean, they said badly decomposed. Well, that could mean a lot of things. So will there be enough there to even get a cause of death? We just don't know yet. Um, If you've got thoughts on this one, if you want to play a little CSI and do some detective work (laughs) on how, especially, by the way, if you have some kind, more more so than either of us would, some kind of experience uh, with silos and farms and corn and how that whole process works. A couple of you are texting in. If you can give us a call and kind of take us through that process and how this might have happened. The only thing we don't know is, was the body in there before the corn was, or did it come in with the corn? So obviously that's going to make a difference as well. We're going to Jacob in Platte City. He's got some ideas. Hey, Jacob. Hey, John. So for the most part, when the corn arrives at the elevator by truck, it's unloaded off the truck into a, usually a, uh, um, a hopper, and then it goes underground, which goes through a screen underground generally, and then it'll go through a, um, a screw auger, and then it'll either get augered up into the bin or it'll be blown up there with air. Okay. So he either had to have fallen in to that silo at the elevator or fell in because the, then it's 
unloaded generally same way into the rail car. Um, so unless it was a gravity setup big enough for a body to fall through, it's unlikely he could have went from the silo into the car. Because, because, of the, you, because that screen is there. Right. Uh, depends on depends on the plant's way of loading the car. So he either had to have, more than likely, he had to have gotten into that rail car somehow. So maybe, unless, maybe unless yeah. In, they, they said he badly decomposed, so unless he was in pieces and was able to be run through the auger, I, I, I'm trying to make sense of how he would have gotten in there other than no, I, I see what you're saying. Yeah, the, that uh, the yeah the, the auger would have cut him up uh, if it wasn't for yep. that, or or would have jammed. I mean, something. So so the idea that he was in the car before the corn got into the car seems to be the most it's likely explanation. Very likely. Um, that my only other my mind goes to the only other logical explanation is is might have been just a rail car um, hopper, one of those guys that jumps on rail cars and rides them and whether he, he got in the car and couldn't get out and then they ended up loading it. I mean, who knows, but. Yep. Okay. All right. Uh, Jacob, thanks. Yeah. So, I mean, maybe the reason why they added in the fact that it just came from Mexico with that bean shipment, maybe mm-hmm. the reason they added that in there is because that's what the cops are thinking, is that that's, for however they loaded that car full of beans, and and again for whatever reason, whether it was accidental or or whether it was somebody that killed him, um, that that's probably where it happened, and that he was in there. They loaded the corn in, and then he just you know when they unloaded the beans, he didn't fall out, but when they unloaded the corn, he did. Uh, how do I ask this question delicately? Is there any part of that? <clears throat> excuse me, of that process going from the bin to the train car that involves any like like compression? Like, is there? I don't think so. Um, There's no way he would have died by being transported, like from one to the other. No, uh, I, I, I don't think so. I mean, based on what Jacob, based on his description of that, um, yeah, you, you're just sort of dropped in. Yeah, the, the, the corn okay. just from that screw auger. Uh, that's. Uh, boy, how to explain a screw hugger? <laughs> it's it's a it's a you know it looks like a screw and it just turns and as it turns, if it's on an incline, it pushes whatever you're trying to get, whether it's corn or beans or whatever, up like almost like a conveyor belt, and okay. then drops it down into the car. So okay. yeah, you wouldn't die from that. Okay, this is how little I know about. <clears throat> How corn works. I just, so I lived in a town where they did a lot of that. Yeah. <laughs> so I saw the equipment. That's why yeah, I'm, I'm picturing it in my head as he's saying it. All right. Uh, we'll move on because I know we're grossing some of you out. Uh, we'll take a break here. We'll be back. Wrap the show next on KMBZ. All right. Quick real estate story to get to here uh, out of sfgate.com. And I just sent you, John, I knew there was an Airbnb of similar structure to this. And it still is. I, I knew it was out there, but it's still on Airbnb. It is not quite as extensive as this house, however. Yeah, the, the Airbnb, yeah, I've seen that one too, the Flintstone house. Mm-hmm. And if you've ever seen this, it's poured concrete, and it's poured in these sort of dome-like uh, appendages that are all stuck together. Each one of them forms a different room of this house. So it's a, a very simple manner of construction. In fact, there are some of them that aren't even made out of concrete. It's uh, foam that that hardens, and then they just cover it over with paint. 
but uh, the, the the two that we're talking about are both concrete structures. And the one that's now up for sale, what caught my eye about it is not just the weirdness of the building, because from the outside it does look exactly like the Flintstones house. And the fact that it, it, it's ex- as extensive as it is, and the fact that it's a Joshua tree. Yeah. Yeah, in Southern California. Just $1.8 million is what you will get uh, or what can get you this thing. And it's out in the middle of the desert uh, in Joshua Tree, so it's beautiful. I mean, the land around it, and it does sort of go with the landscape as well. Mm-hmm. But how incredibly appointed this thing is. And they said that the, the, um, the oh, what do you call it, the, the, like the utility bills are not bad, even though you're living out in the middle of a desert because the the heat transfer through concrete is not all that great. So it tends to hold the the cool air inside if you need that. If you want to see more pictures of this, this also is on Airbnb. <clears throat> and I'm looking at the listing. For $5.25 a night, <laughs> uh, excuse me, two bedrooms, five, ba- five beds, two baths, Jeff is the super host. It's got a 4.91 rating. <laughs> this is not as popular as I would have thought. I know. Maybe it's the fact that it's out in the middle of nowhere. There's just nothing yeah. near it. I just would have thought I would have, there's only 93 reviews. I guess I just would have thought this is the kind of thing that's going to be booked every weekend. I would and love. I just looked. Oh yeah. Plenty of opening. I mean, you could anytime in, in November, anytime in December, Early next year, which February is all booked out, which they must not yeah, just well, have that open. And, and you, I mean, you would assume, right, that, that that would be the time of year that you would want to go. You don't want to go to someplace right. like this in the middle of summer. You want to go November, December, January. But, um, yeah, it's got a very cool outdoor kind of um, – it's, it's got a little, like, pergola over, over top uh-huh. of a – like a, a picnic table sort of affair. And it looks like behind that there's a – is that a stove? Yeah, it is. Uh, there's a little outbuilding, so you can do cookouts and stuff out back and just see everything that's... That's all about the scenery. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. about the funky building that you're in, too, but it's all about looking around and going out and just being in the middle of all of that. What is not particularly attractive, I don't... Because now I'm on the Airbnb listing, that has 71 pictures, <laughs> if you want to look at them. <laughs> the pool is not a lot to speak about. Um, the pool itself is nice. Yeah. They just didn't do anything on the outside, or you would have thought this would have been like built up with all kinds of stuff. It's absolutely not. I kind of get it. I know what you mean. I mean, it does look kind of stark uh, just being out there by itself, and it's a little bit of a walk, too, from uh, from where the houses are. But, yeah, they've got a little concrete deck around it, and that's really it. A couple of chairs, you know, thrown in here and there, but that's all stuff that can move. There's no – you'd figure that they would do another dome out there and have like a pool house, right? Yeah, yeah, and there's none of that. No. And, at least not in these pictures. And maybe it was just that they didn't want to break up the landscape any more than they absolutely had to, or maybe they ran out of money. <laughs> Who knows yeah. when they were building it. Uh, it is neat looking, though. But, yeah, I'm glad that you said that about it being an Airbnb. That's the kind of place that I would love to investigate. Even the fire pit, they've got a little mm-hmm. uh, 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 sort of a gathering area that's a circle of that same kind of poured concrete with a fire pit right in the middle of it. The only thing that weirds me out about this is – I'm never going to be in danger of hitting my head anywhere, all four <laughs> foot 11 and a half of me. But I do feel like I'm looking at these pictures going, I always feel like I, there'd be danger of me hitting my head because of the circular doorways, not circular, the rounded doorways. Yep. It, it So it just makes it seem like it's closing in on you a lot. 
Yeah, and and even the the ceilings on the inside. I mean, some of the rooms going from room to room, those little entryways are are a little bit low. So yeah, you would have uh-huh. to probably kind of watch it, especially if you're on the tall. Sam Stevie would not have a great time at this place, but for the rest of us, yeah, it it just the I guess the the only other real thing that you could tack on as a knock on it is that the entire inside, the the outside is painted sand color to kind of match the mm-hmm. landscape. The entire inside is painted white. Get, yeah. a, get a little funkier with that. Yeah, because the other one um, that we mentioned in Hillsborough, California, is funky like that, yep. at least on the outside. It's painted purple and orange, and I mean, everything you would imagine out of the Flintstones. And the inside is too. I, I've seen, there There was a Travel Channel bit that they did on that place, and the guy that uh, the guy who built it, the one whose vision it was, and the inside is similar to the outside. It's got all kinds of colors going on, and it's just kind of a neat place. But either one of them, I'm just go outside. It's not about being in the building anyway. It's right. about being outside in the middle of Joshua Tree. And taking some cool pictures yeah. for your 525 a night. <laughs> yeah. So enjoy. All right. Uh, to wrap things up here, I'll be curious to know how many of these Colin maybe is familiar with the slang term list out of Florida. I'm a little disappointed in this one because I, I look, Florida may be a little bit behind the times, but uh, they broke it out first by the most popular slang terms by generation. And for baby boomers, Boy, talk about boring. The most popular slang term for boomers in Florida is bummer. <laughs> wow. I, okay. Yeah, I'm, for Gen X, it's chill. And I'm curious about that one, too, because they said uh, under the definitions, they said chill means relax. Chill has drifted. Ch- chill <laughs> uh-huh. isn't so much a verb anymore as it is an adjective. It's like, hey, how was your night? Yes. Oh, man, it was chill. I, that's not what I thought you were going to say. I know that verb to be different now as it is associated with Netflix. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I forgot about that one. Yeah, but you're right. Uh, that's a different kind of relaxing, I guess. <laughs> so that was number one for Gen X. Millennials was OMG for oh, my God. Uh, and then Gen Z. Boy, is this telling. Selfie. Neat. <laughs> that's the most used slang word. I guess for Gen Z. Well, but you get Ugh. you get down into the list of the other ones that are there. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ginchy, that's a '60s term. Uh, that, oh, it's way down on the list. Yeah. I like that they give us definitions for for the younger readers of or this Orlando newspaper. I'm glad that they give some definitions. Yes, uh, Ginchy they say is sexy or cool. But yeah, that's that's something that you would hear in like a beach blanket movie from 1962. Uh equally so, <laughs> number 19 on the list, totally tubular. Uh-huh. Yeah, like anybody since 1986 has said totally tubular. Colin, when was the last time you said barf me out? <laughs> I, I couldn't even tell you what that means. Yeah. I've never heard oh, this that is before. what I mean, to discuss someone. And we used to say that all the time. Look at number 15. <laughs> Colin, when was the last time you said daddy-o? <laughs> daddy, right now it's daddy-o. Right. That's it. Hey there, daddy-o. Come on, let's go down to the sock hop and get us a, you know, a malted at the malt shop. Oh, come on. Uh, cowabunga, also not since the early days of The Simpsons. Has anybody used that in slang? Fat, P-H-A-T. Funky, groovy, mellow. How old are these people? When did when was mod ever shorthand for modern? When was that a thing? Mid sixties, yeah. Okay. And, and that was um, that was more a culture thing. Uh, the, mm-hmm. the the Who are a mod band. So then I'm looking at the TikTok slang. 
Uh-huh. This is where we would be stumped a little bit more. <laughs> and I spend a fair amount of time on TikTok, and I don't know a lot of these. Uh, yeah, let me get down to, oh, sus I knew. That's that's number one. Uh, they said it's short for shorthand for suspicious. It's also shorthand for suspect. Like, hey, that's a little sus. Uh, Guap, I didn't know. Number 12. Number 12. Uh, what does it mean? Oh, yeah, guap, I did not know. Yeah, has that means a lot of money. Mm-hmm. I would have guessed handsome because guapo in Spanish is handsome. How are we pronouncing number 14? Um, number 14. I don't know. Colin. That's probably something you don't ever say out loud. I have, no, I have no idea what that is. That's just a text thing. It's S-K-S-K-S-K is an expression of amazement or shock. Okay. Number six, vibes. Also, not since 1967. Um, yeah, you hear that a lot. That's a bit, yeah, that's all over on TikTok. Okay. All right. Fair enough. Mm-hmm. Uh, Flex is showing off. Yeah, we knew that one. Savage is brutal or extremely harsh. Okay, that's pretty self explanatory. Slay. I get that one. Oh, yeah. How'd you do? Oh, I slayed. <laughs> I like the text line. You're right. Gag me with a spoon. <laughs> it needs to be on here. It's big. Yes. Yes. Oh, Said man. just like that. Any Valley Gag me with Girl a spoon. language. Uh huh. You're welcome, everyone. For all of our younger listeners, you got some education. And now Older. you know that you can still say groovy and not yes. be, or you have to be in Florida, but you can still do it and get away with it. Yes. All right. We'll leave it on that. Uh, we'll be back tomorrow here on KMBZ. Listen to every MLB game live. The deep left center field. It is high. It is far. It is gone. Stream minor league affiliates. The Midwest League home run leader. And watch the best baseball highlights and look-ins on MLB Big Inning. MLB at bat is your all-in-one live baseball subscription for only $3.99 per month. Deep left field. It's going to go. Alvarez ties the game. Subscribe to at bat within the MLB app today. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission.